I know y'all miss me, man. I'm back. I got a new podcast. It's called In The Moment. I got my two co-pilots with me. I'm excited to introduce them. It's a new chapter in my life. First up, B. Lake, <laughs> Big Ben's Blake, Keep Bearded Blake, Young Young Yellow. All right. What else they call you? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if they call me any of those. None? Uh, a big Ben. You, you big, started Big Ben's. Big Ben's Blake is, 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 is a fan favorite, I would say. You bought six donuts and all of a sudden <laughs> nicknamed yourself Big Ben's Blake. Oh, 100%. Okay, I mean, fine. what more do you expect? Uh, nothing, I mean, actually. can you walk into a Dunkin' Donuts and buy the whole rack? No. All right. I'm not that fortunate. You're a blessed, brother. <laughs> You're a blessed. Hey, man. Glory it's, be to God. Hey, I'm happy to have you here, though. Man, I'm excited. I mean, we've been, we've been thinking about this for a while now, and man, I just... I'm, I'm very excited. Very grateful that you would include me in this. My man. It's been a long time coming. Absolutely. Long time coming. Yes. And in the other co-pilot seat, Amy, a.k.a. Ames. How you what doing? What up? What up? How you feeling today? I'm excited. This is a new venture. That's what we're doing. Yep. That's all it is. Come on. Join the conversation. So, again, this one is called In The Moment. If you are a fan and have been following or listening to any of my podcasts, you know that my last podcast was called Distant Cousins. And I feel like I owe it to y'all to explain why that chapter is no longer. So, I've always been 100% honest and transparent in everything that I do. This won't be any different. Um, So, Walter was my guy for a while. We started a podcast. Like I said, it was called Distant Cousins. It it went for a while. It was very good. Um, Unfortunately, there were a lot of things behind the scenes with Walter that affected not only our personal relationship, but our business relationship. And what bothered me most is this could have actually kept going and been uh, something that we could have, like, kept positive and kept doing. But... He unfollowed me. I'm just be honest, put it out there. That's what happened. The man, <laughs> I was pretty mad, Blake. I ain't going to lie to you. I was pretty yeah. mad. I feel like when we was here, I did absolutely everything I could for Walt to support him. Uh, I put, I let him open up for me at, at my comedy show. I gave him all the advice in the world. We went to the gym together every day. Um, I did all I could as a friend. And then the first thing he did when he was no longer with the show was unfollow me. Mm. And so I guess that was the end of the chapter for Distant Cousins. But it's no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. We're just extremely distant cousins now <laughs> very very distant right and, but, I, and I think that's okay I think some chapters are supposed to go on for seasons and some are supposed to close quicker than you think and I think at the end of the day I think it I think it was uh I don't know if it was the right move but I think it was the best move and so here we are now it's a brand new season for you brand new season for him and I'm excited for where you're about to take this thing thank you brother absolutely man honestly man everything happens for a reason 100 if anybody says that a lot it's you that's a that's a fact. So, I, it, it, it better be a reason. All the, <laughs> all, all the things I've been through, exactly. It, it very much so better be a reason. But it's all good. It's no hard feelings. Yep. Honestly, it's not. It's just it's just a new chapter. But I felt like I needed to at least address it because I know I've I've read a lot of the messages and I know a lot of y'all have questions. And it ain't no need to really get into any more than that about it. It just it is what it is. I wish him the best. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if he feels the same, but uh, either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, and yep. It's a new chapter and it's in the moment. Now we in the moment. Absolutely. And I just want to say before we before we close that out, I just want to say hats off to you for how you handled it uh, behind the scenes and and in the public image. I think you handled it the best way possible. I think anytime transition or change comes about, uh, it's difficult. You don't know what to say in front of everybody or what to say even behind the scenes. And I know just being close to you in this past season, you have handled it with the utmost integrity um, and respect. And so I definitely say that I'm I can't be the only one that's noticed that. So job well done. Done, my friend, I appreciate that, bro. Yes. I really do. Absolutely. And the you know, high road wins even when it's the hard road. Yes, the high road mm-hmm. is always harder. You got to go uphill. It's a lot of fighting, but it's it's always worth it because the view is always better when you get to the finish. And I just I just hope this is a lesson, honestly, to people, to everyone. Like you know, in in black culture, we got this thing called crabs in a barrel, right? Where they always say we we don't help each other and we don't reach out to help our own and we make everything a competition. And I feel like this is a a great lesson to take on in life. Is everything is not a competition. Nope. You can you can be the best version of you, and you don't have competition because nobody else can be you. Mm-hmm. So. So it, it's sometimes you don't have to always put yourself in a position to feel like you're competing with somebody. It's okay nope. to, to help somebody and be helped and, and be a team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As long as you get to the goal, so who cares who got 40? I just want to get the ring. And There's a exactly. positions. Everyone has a role. Everybody has a role. Mm-hmm. Play your role. And, and everybody has a time as well. Just because you may not be the one that's shining in the moment does not mean that your time will not come. It will come. Play your role. Work hard. Practice. Be patient. And good things come to those who wait. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Right? And I think for me, too, I mean, I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't have that mentality at one point in my life because it's easy to assume um, that if someone else gets it before I get it, then I can't get it. But I think when I quickly, the sooner that I learned that there is truly room for everybody and it's going to come down to who is the most kind and who's going to work the hardest. I feel like those are the two things that are going to separate people. And like you said, at the end of the day, uh, we've got to be willing to help people and we've got to be willing to accept help when people come to offer it to us. Absolutely. Every time. See, Bearded Blake is much more mature than, <laughs> than the Blake. See, that was the, that was Blake before the beard that used to look at life like that. I'm proud of you, man. Hey, man, the beard can change everything. And I'm proud to tell you the beard is going away after this podcast is over with. No. Okay? Listen, you know, I, the past week growing the beard has been um, in, an interesting journey, to say the least. But I think today was the day that it started to itch the most. You know what it is, though? See, it is the thing. I Every time I grow my beard, I cut it, right? But yeah. I've been told by like like people who have like full beards that it's the beginning stages. It's when it's growing in right. and it's filling out. That's the, that's why it itches. I can't get past the itch stage. I can't. But I think a beard looks way better on you than it does on me. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I think the beard is going to come in at stages. Like I think in the summer, just here, it is so hot, and I naturally sweat a lot. I'm the guy that walks outside, and my eyebrows immediately start sweating. Are you that guy? I am that guy. Listen, you could walk to me. We could walk. We could walk down the street. And you're looking at me like, bro, did you just get in a fight? <laughs> so, I'm glad you don't play sports because you would be the guy in the rec center with the soaking wet shirt talking about yo play D. No, fam, I'm no. not. I'm not guarding you. Crane gets not. drafted by Minnesota. Yo, <laughs> that just brings me back to a funny moment. So, are you, did you play football growing up? I did. Okay, so was there like a thing that you guys did at practice called, I think it was called Bull in the Ring. You guys circle up uh, in the field. There's one person in the middle. The coach then picks a random person on the outer ring that you have to run at uh, head on. Like, I, guess, I guess it's just oh, like. Oh, yeah, just like one-on-ones. Yeah, and yeah. y'all hit each other, boom. And yeah, it's just it's yeah, like who did, yeah, yeah. Who, who, I guess who won that, yeah. if you will. Uh, and let's just say that they I played football for one season. I uh, didn't make it to the first game. Uh, and that was the last practice that I attended. Oh, no, you're not going to just breeze past this like that. Wait a minute. Hold on. It's not. This wasn't this t- where I was going, but this is where we at. Well, I just felt like the first the first step you, in, in You pre- played football for one season? I did, I would say like a for a couple weeks. Wait, okay. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> First of all, what grade was this? This was high school? Oh man. Ah, this was uh yeah, this was I think this was this was got to be a middle school. Middle school for sure. No, 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 no. 5th grade. 5th grade. In fifth grade, fifth grade. So yeah, you made the team, or made, every, it was it every one of those everybody makes the team. You things. get drafted. Yeah. So in was, fifth grade, <laughs> well, <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the, you had a scouting report. <laughs> Listen, man, I had an agent and everything. I was the real deal. Okay, <laughs> look me up, baby. I'm totally kidding. Uh, no, like everybody's name is literally on a list, and the and the teams and the coaches just say, okay, I want this person or I want this person. And I think the way it works, if I remember correctly, is they are allowed to like pick the like you know obviously the best players and you have to work your way down the list. I got lucky and I just ended up on a really good team. The team that actually won the championship uh, come to find out. And so it was it was me and a bunch of champions. Yeah. And you, so you got through one practice. Uh, it was a couple practice. First practice, I went to, I left practice, went to Firehouse Subs, and got okay. me a sub. Okay. I go Ames, to bite, take the first this? bite, and I uh, <laughs> felt something in my stomach. I bet you did. And let's just say, you know, uh, sometimes things have to come out of your body that aren't supposed to be there, and I barely made it to the restaurant. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen, so y'all started the drill. He rocked your shit, and then something started rolling down your leg, and you knew you was in trouble. No, no, you're taking it a completely different route. No. Okay. Throw up. Okay. Not. The other body malfunction. Okay? Did you shit yourself in practice? No. no? Okay. No, I just want to make sure. In my story, was, you did. Okay. Well, and, and that's your fault for writing your own narrative. Okay, people? I had to quickly shut that one up. You, you're going to learn very quickly that that's what I do. Listen, I felt it. I felt it. I said, no, it wasn't. No. Listen, I made it to the end of practice. This was the first practice. So this, was, this wasn't the bull in the ring practice. Uh-huh. The first practice, I ended it. We went to Firehouse Subs. I got some dinner. Uh, had to throw up. Threw up all through the Firehouse Subs. I genuinely apologize to all. All the people that worked there that day. Oh. And then I went home and my mom asked me how practice was and I said I threw up. Wow, you told her you were a loser. Uh, it, no. That's not See, what you said. There you go. Number two. We're only okay. 20 minutes in. You wrote your second story. <laughs> Good night. Wait, no, I just I'm what, what position were you gonna play? Uh I told him I wanted to play uh wide receiver. That's what I told him I wanted. But. Can you catch? Yeah. I don't believe you can catch. No, 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 listen, I could be a quarterback. I don't know. You look like a quarterback, yes. but I don't believe you can Listen, actually be a quarterback. Fact, I played baseball all the way from when I was uh, four years old wow. all the way through freshman year of high school. Does you that mean you can take a sack? Absolutely not. Don't, don't, oh, okay. We don't, we don't hear people answer that do. one right. Huh? I don't know. I, 
I don't know where Ames was trying to set you up for. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> well, that's what quarterbacks do. Well, not phony Romo over here. Well, he said right. I could have played I a quarterback, and then Romo. he proceeds to say I played baseball. Yeah, so basically, what I what I was trying to say was is at, I I feel like I have a really good arm. Like I, I played outfield a lot, so I could throw really hard. I could throw really far too. Okay. Uh, and so that's why I thought I would be a good quarterback. But you're right, I don't like to get hit, and so. We but could. you you would play quarterback. That's what you would have wanted to play. Uh, yeah, quarterback or wide receiver. I would, yo, we got to go to the park. I just don't see, listen, I, I want to meet athletic. Listen, I, I got a mean arm. I got a mean arm. And you know, I played quarterback. That's amazing. I can totally see that. But you have the height for it. I did. I was, I was a really good quarterback. I, I was, I was great at football and basketball, but baseball reminds me a little bit of your story. Cause I, I made it. I didn't get through spring training like at all. <laughs> At Wait, all. I have so many questions. What even made you interested in baseball? Did you just want to be like the athlete that played all sports? Or no. was it just like, all right, I want to do baseball? Nah, I literally used to just go hang out with the baseball players because I like throwing. Yeah. You know, that's fun with right. the glove and all that. And I was used to go mess with them. Totally. And I just was having fun with them one day. And the baseball coach was like, Mo, you got a hell of an arm. I'm pretty sure you can hit a ball, which he was definitely wrong with that. I don't know hot, bro. Listen, take I got me, no eye coordination it. when it comes to hitting the base. I'm going to be honest. I don't. It's not there. It's just not there. And it was, we, so I practiced. With the team and practice was fun. You you hitting it off of the little soft pitches. Yeah, I'm t- I'm taking them down. Taking it all into the. I'm taking them field. out. I'm pointing at people in the right. crowds. I'm enjoying it. First game, <laughs> I come up, strike out, missed everything. Listen, I mean, it's, the, it's different. This, what he had already <laughs> thrown a ball back to the pitcher by the time I swung. I'm like, fam. Now wait. I don't even think he threw the ball. Y'all tell me we somebody replay this. Flag. He ain't throw the ball. Okay, I don't think it's a flag. I don't <laughs> it, think it's, it's not a flag. flag. I don't think so. I told you I was a quarterback. Okay. So then the second time I went up. The back. I had to duck. He almost hit me. Yeah. He almost well, hit me. Well, you know, if you would have let him hit you. hit for the team. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, no, I ducked and rushed him out. You get to go, go to first base. base. I, what? I go to. Just I, take the hit. First of all, ain't hitting it getting home. Oh, we're not talking baseball anymore. See, I don't want to head of y'all. Listen, no. That question went over my head, and I thought I was pretty familiar with baseball. Amy and I looked at each other really confused right now. No, I got it. It wasn't about baseball. Listen, what y'all want me to – okay, let me understand this. Yes. I'm in spring training. This not even like regular – this ain't the playoffs. This like (laughs) – y'all want me to get hit in the head with a baseball just to get the first base and help this team of people who I hardly know their names? Yes. To show them what you're made of. What? Yes. No, I showed them what I was made of when I rushed the mound. I tried. Wait, no. (laughs) Yeah, I did. No, no. I did. did. You thought I was going to let you breeze past that. (laughs) Oh, no. Wait. I you rushed the mound. Rushed the mound. You become one of the viral videos that I watch often. Uh, if, if I'm so glad that there wasn't video back then, because me rushing the mound in high school would have definitely went viral. What, what I did the, the pitcher do? Did he run from you? Yeah, he, he's backed up the whole time. Okay. And then I didn't get to him. And then it was a whole thing. And then the coach was like, "Man, get the showers." And I'm assuming that was your last. That your... was the very last time I ever played baseball All in my right. life. I, I hit the showers. I went home, and I didn't go to practice. And I don't even. I didn't speak to this day. I have not. Spoken to my baseball coach since. Yeah, you know, after that moment, I don't know if he would have much to say to you. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. So, in my eyes, the man swung at me first. He tried to okay. hit me with the baseball, no. man. Things happen. He's not perfect. But you, I don't want him to be perfect. Just don't hit me. Well, if he hits you, you get to take it to first base. I'm not taking it to first base. I'm taking it to his head. <laughs> That's why I'm taking it. No, I'm not going to first base. What, what I'm going to do at first base? I ain't even fast you like that. You can steal the second. I ain't stealing. You see me run? <laughs> no. That is true. I did see you run one I'm, time. When? Uh, actually, maybe I didn't. I just pictured it, and it's probably identical to what I picture. <laughs> okay. All right. It's, that's fair. It's accurate. Is that, you know, I just think when you're tall, like it's tall, people have a really difficult time running. First of all, Usain Bolt's like 6'4". Okay? He's the fastest man on the planet, so that, 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 well, that's not accurate. Okay? All right. Dang it. Oh, well, well, he was. I don't know. Justin Gatlin's on steroids and coming up behind him really quickly, but that's a story for a whole nother day. Right. Um. I'm not fast. Okay. I'm gonna be honest. I was I was a pocket quarterback. I don't know if you know what that means. Uh-uh. That Fill basically, me in. I wasn't Michael Vick. Okay, I wasn't scrambling. Oh, so you were like just in the pocket, waiting I, waiting for your time, nailing them, drilling them, accurate as they come. But I am I'm Tom Brady. Tom I'm Brady. like a black Tom Brady. <laughs> That's a which right. is a disgrace in my culture because most black quarterbacks are fast. I was the slow one. That was me. But if you have an arm, it's not gonna matter. Because by the time they get to you, you're going to have been already thrown it. That's fine. I would imagine you were pretty good at football. Take me back to that season. Were you like the the competitive athlete that I would imagine you probably were? I mean, I don't want to brag, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, I, that's not what I came in here to do today. But since you asked me. <laughs> Go ahead uh, and let it, me know. Look, here we are. Uh, I, well, my, <laughs> I came in and I was playing safety. I was playing safety and I was playing corner. And I enjoyed right. playing safety. Now, I, are those defense? 
Oh, Ames, you see what I'm dealing with here? We can't. Do you see? We well, we're going to spend three hours on this. We have to do a whole separate yeah, podcast we're not gonna, on teaching. We're not going to do this. All right, football. okay. Basically, you take me to uh, uh, a football game. How about let's see how much a girl. Oh, do you want to go to Florida yeah. State? Yeah, let's do that. Seriously? You yeah. want to go? I would love to it's go. It's already on the calendar. I've never been to a football game ever in oh. my life. Then this is oh, let's take him. Never been to a college game, NFL game, nothing. You going? He's already on the What you mean? We already booked our hotel. Am I going? Oh, y'all are already y'all are already going to this game. We're already booked. You're coming with us. Oh, I'm there. All right, say less. Yeah, we in there. Done. Done. So while we on the uh, topic of traveling, man, I hate that we have to go here, but you. We're recently in L.A. I was in L.A. Talk to me about it. Man, you know, L.A., I feel like I, so the first time I went to California was when I, I was 21. For my 21st birthday, I went to L.A. on the cheapest dime possible. I'm living through you, by the way, because I've never been to L.A. Really? Never been. Bro, I think in 19, we've got to go. I'm with it. Like, we just have to go at some point. Maybe this summer or even if it's just for a quick weekend. Well, matter of fact, we sh- I should do a show up there. We should go out we do a show. We should totally do we that. We make it a thing. And then, then, Amy, you come too. Then we could do a live recording of the podcast there too. Whatever you guys want. Okay, that's done. <laughs> there we go. Um, so immediately I had always, like, because I think L.A. is just, so I went to New York uh, after my senior year of high school, fell in love with it. And I think the the energy of New York is what enticed me the most, just because you have so many people just going for it. It's the hustle. It's contagious. Um, and that's what I really love about New York. And so I was curious to see if L.A. had that same vibe. Real quick. Yes. You know me being a New Yorker. You went to New York with this, like, you was the same Blake you are today, happy, vibrant. Yes. In New York? And they ran me over. Oh, I would have loved to have seen they that. They ran Oh, I would have paid to have seen I that. I forget when I'm telling a story. Y'all know I'm long-winded, and I forget when I tell a story, it opens up the gates to another story. So yes, it does. So feel free to ask me all the New York questions. I got you. All right. So anyways, I you know I make it to L.A., 21st birthday, and man, it was it was awesome. Stayed over in Venice Beach, which is you know right next to the coast, a little uh, a little south uh, from Santa Monica, and I just the L.A. is, is diverse. Uh, the weather is amazing. The nightlife is incredible. Uh, um, the, the, uh, all right, I have a different opinion on the food. I think I just haven't went to the best places for the food in so L.A. So you L.A. got trash food? I, I, I didn't say trash Yeah, food. I heard it from Big Bang's okay, Blake. He no. said it here today. L.A. has <laughs> no, trash no, food. That's what he said. No, I just need people that uh, I think know you L.A. To you want avocado toast? Oh, Ames said it too. I love L.A. I didn't say it. I've never been. Yeah. No, I mean, but that's I, what they I eat there. When you, you and I have similar tastes. You that's don't want true. Avocado toast for. Breakfast. I don't. That's all they eat in L.A. In spinach smoothies and wheatgrass shots. They're so healthy. I have, they're, very, they're very healthy. They're I very have healthy. heard that L.A. is like New York. It's similar, but it's like a really, really bougie version. I didn't say yes. it. That's just what I heard. Um. Ah oh man. Like I, the people are like similar, but they're a little bougie. Yes, and it's in my opinion. Uh, I think LA is is more beautiful than New York. Like you got the beach, you got first Malibu. All, first of all, watch your mouth on my podcast. <laughs> I knew it was that's, come. No, that's number I see, one. I'll knock both of you with Miami's be- more beautiful. Okay, oh, this, this is not a battle coast to coast. Uh, it's not a battle of the coast here. Okay, okay. Can you get to what LA was like for you yes. in the weekend? Thank you. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. And don't so anyways, and don't disrespect New York no more. Listen, okay? I love New York. I think I need. I want to go to New York when it's snowing. Now, do, what? I know. I was wondering. Am I just saying that because I haven't been there before when it's yes. snowing? That's exactly why but you're saying Christmas that. Christmas time, it looks so magical. It's yeah. it's anything but. Really? Yeah, man. So the pictures just are lying to me? Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, yeah. I'm still going to have to go to figure it out for myself. But anyway, so L.A., I, the first time I went there, you know, I just, I really did love it. It's just the energy of the people. And I think uh, the people of L.A. are what inspire me the most because you got people that move from all across the country to move to L.A. to make it in their respective industry, whether that they want to go to, te- they want to go into tech or they want to do, you know, acting, actresses, models, musicians. Um, and for a lot of people, L.A. is the last line. Like they literally are saying, hey, I'm moving to L.A. and I'm going to make it or I'm not going to make it. And if I don't make it, I've got to find an alternative. But most people are saying, hey, look, I'm going to make it. I'm going to L.A. to make it or to make it. There is no other plan B. And So when you went this weekend, did you go to get that energy? Um, I, I needed I needed to be refueled. I, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I think this spring semester, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm in school right now, uh, finishing up another part-time job. I'm part-time here on the show. Um, and so it's just like, I think when you get in this this headspace of just work, 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 you forget, you forget what you're working for and you forget what you're working towards. Honey. And so I needed, a, I needed a space to just kind of press pause, reflect on, you know, where I am now and be proud of where I am now. Because I think sometimes, like, maybe you relate to this too, but oftentimes I could be really hard on myself, like, 
like, dang it, I did that wrong, or I should be here by now, or I should be doing that. When in the grand scheme, grand scheme of things, I'm in a really great position. And I think it just starts by recognizing that sometimes. And yeah. so for me, going to LA was like, yo, I, I'm going out here to be refueled, inspired, re-energized, um, and, and, and more than anything, come back just ready to tackle this next season. And with that being said, I was already tired going into LA, and I thought, man, this might not be the best place to go to rest and relax. Right. Um, but it ended up being just that. Um, just because the the days were not full, we had a lot of chill time, um, and man, it was it was really awesome. You know, and being in LA, there were a few things uh, that happened while I was in LA that made yeah. it even more meaningful. Uh, one, the people that I went with, uh, my friend Gerald had a flight voucher, so he was like, "Yo, let's go to LA," and then he added my friend Joseph, and then uh, Marquise got added, and then my friend Terrence got added, and so okay, wait, Gerald, Joseph, Marquise, and Terrence, you was the only white boy there. I was the you? only I was the only white boy <laughs> yep, there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My man. Yes. So, you know, man, it was it was awesome. You know, I yeah. think for me it was like the first time. I think, you know, and not 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 to go super deep here right off the bat, but if we can go down this road at some point, but I think me being a white male in America, I got to recognize the fact that I have the most privilege out of anybody. Right. And so, going on this trip made me realize that and more. And it was just, it was, I mean, I really enjoyed being the minority on this trip. A lot of people were like, man, do you, did you feel awkward being the only, no, right. not at all. You it know what? It was awesome. That's so, I don't know that, why. Maybe you could tell me why. I don't know why it was not awkward for me. It was literally the conversations we shared. It was awesome. It don't, it don't have to be awkward. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I think that a lot of times when, when, when people hear uh, people discuss race. They think that it automatically has to be an uncomfortable topic, and yeah. it really doesn't. What it is 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 just educating each other. It's funny you bring this up today because Ames sent me a uh, article from Kyle Corver uh, just today, actually, and he spoke about how his teammate was going through something, and basically what he spoke on is being white and not realizing his privilege, not mm-hmm. understanding that he has it, yes. and the way that you quickly think things, you don't think it through. You automatically go to a certain place with the way you think, not realizing that what we really deal with and what we go through is a lot different. And as a white friend, you can be supportive, but you'll never understand what it's truly mm. like. But if you are willing to understand, hey, I have privilege. It is what it is. I don't like, I don't know why a white person would ever want to run from that. You got no. it. It's fine. Yes. Use it. I'm trying to borrow it. Like, what's up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let me know. But to understand that you have it and still want to be around and just get to know us. One of the things that Bert does that I love so much is he has the curious Caucasian questions. Mm-hmm. And he asks these questions and he genuinely wants to know answers. Right. Sometimes we go off air and he'll extend it. He'll say, no, nah, I still want to understand it. That's all it is. That's right. all black people ever really want is gotcha. the fact that you're just trying to understand it. And once you do that, man, we, we like, that's the thing. I think black people, like, people think that when you come around black people and you're the one white person that we're sitting there the whole time thinking, man, this white dude. Mm-hmm. They don't think like that, bro. Right. We just have, you a part of the team like anybody else is a part of the team. And that was the first thing I noticed in LA. You see? There was not a moment uh, through the entire trip where I ever felt left out, where I felt different, N- nothing like that. And you willing, you were willing to listen. Yes. You were willing to listen oh and understand. Once you listen and you truly understand the culture, there's a difference between trying to be a part of the culture and genuinely just trying mm-hmm. to understand the culture. Right. And that's where a lot of people go wrong is yes. you want to be a part of it. You can't. Yes. It's just not the way. You just got to grow up black. That's the only way to be a part totally. of the culture. And I but, think we can go severely wrong when we walk that line and we lean too far on that side of wanting to be a part of it. Right. And I'd be lying to you if I didn't go through those seasons where I'm like, the things that I was saying and my actions were leaning towards that side. And I don't think that's the right way to go. Um, and, and so, and that's how he ends his article after he's done writing. He says, now let me stop and go back to listening. Facts. It's one of the most powerful articles. I would I've love read to read that. A, I just sent it to you. You Perfect. should read it's it. It's one of it, the most powerful articles. Oh, I'm totally reading. And, and you know what? The, what what I love the most about Kyle Corver's article is the honesty. Mm-hmm. He was honest. He 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 like I, I don't like that when people are honest. Like this takes me back to the uh, Liam Neeson situation. You know, he came out and he said, "I uh, I had these feelings of hurting a black person, and every black person went crazy. Oh, we gotta he's canceled. We gotta mm-hmm. kill him. Is that's not why." He's right. being honest. Right. When things happen to you, and if, if God forbid, someone hurt somebody in your family and it happened to you from a, a member of the of an opposite race, mm-hmm. I could see in that moment 
Yeah, you're going to go outside with rage and, and be ready to hurt anybody of that race. No different than when black people watched Rosewood or whatever have you and you saw what was happening to black. You was upset with white people for a minute. That don't make you racist. You just was having a moment. Right. It's the same thing with him to me. I got it, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody very close to you was raped and all you knew was black guy did it. So you went outside and was angry with black people. But he didn't hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. He didn't actually follow through with his thought. He's just simply saying, I'm so glad that I've been able to grow and learn. And learn. You know what I mean? And I don't have those feelings anymore. Right. But he was being honest. You cannot change mm -hmm. anything unless you're willing to have an honest conversation. conversation. And Kyle Culver stepped forward and said, hey, when it first happened, I was the first thing I thought was, what the hell is my teammate doing at the club? Why is he even out there? Why is he doing this? Not thinking to yourself, it's different when you go out as a black guy, especially as a rich black guy. A rich black guy that's a celebrity. It's different. Right. We're not going to always bring trouble to ourselves. If anything, we try to avoid it, but we don't always have the privilege to do so. And he explained how he had that mindset until he thought deeper into it and then he mm. started to really realize and understand that the privilege allows you to live on a, on a platform and at a level that we just don't have. Mm -hmm. And when he understood that, he operated differently as a person and as a friend. And I think that's where it starts. And that's why I think that article mm. was fire. And, I can't wait to read it. And another thing that was so powerful about that article is he admitted, like Mo said, where he started his thoughts. Those thoughts were in 2015 in New York. Wow. He didn't realize his... Uh, I want to say his wrongness. That's not proper grammar, but whatever. We're on a podcast. How wrong he was. Right. How wrong mm -hmm. he was until now when they're in teammates again in Utah. Wow. And a fan was using the N word against Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. So it took him five years, four years wow. to realize how he was wrong in that situation. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to admit that to all of us. And I think what I'm, I'm learning, too, is like the, the quicker I begin to come to the realization that, yes, I'm white and I'm a male in America and I have privilege. I thought that recognizing that and accepting that uh, was going to potentially turn people off from wanting to hang out with me. But here I am now realizing that that's all people want me to do is just accept that. That's it. And begin to walk in that. And then furthermore, uh, listen, ask questions and always be curious. That's it. And I feel like I was so scared mm -hmm. to ask questions in regard to race or to ask questions about your upbringing versus my upbringing and then I would begin to share you share with you stories about my childhood and it's like oh gosh well what if it's different or what if his is worse how do I respond no 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 that's not it mm -mm. just me being naturally curious about you and where you come from and what are your parents like and things like that I've, I've come to realize um, that African Americans have just been way more res uh, receptive of and respected. And we always will be. If so. you come, once you come with that tone, man, we always gonna be mm -hmm. receptive. We we love to tell people about our struggles and what we go through and about our culture because it's real. Yeah. It's a real thing, and we literally go through it every single day. And all we ever really want is for somebody to say, "I don't understand, but I'm willing to. I'm mm -hmm. willing to learn. Listen, I want to listen. I teach me. You. That's all we ever right. want. You know what I mean? And once you do that, man, we golden. I used to be. I used to think that African Americans might be offended by my questions, like, "Oh, you should already know this." Not or, at all. See. Not at all. The first, the, one of the first things Bert asked me when I walked in, he said, what's a do-rag? I said, oh, this is going to be a great relationship. <laughs> I, got, I got so much to tell you. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to tell you so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. that's a beautiful thing. I am jealous of you, though, because in, in such a... This is a tough time for hip-hop, man. This is, uh, this, is a, this is one of those moments where... You'll remember this for the rest of your life. This yep. was this was one of those losses where wherever you were 30, 40, 50 years down the line, you're going to remember where you were. Yep. You're going to remember how you felt. Um I when I I was younger, but I remember the impact of when Pac died. I remember mm. the impact of when Biggie died. And it's it's a weird thing because I typically don't feel when you lose someone that you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it, these are celebrities. We don't know these people. Right. But you, some celebrities have an impact on the culture and on people. Uh, it's bigger than music. And Pac and Big, when we lost those two, especially me being a New Yorker, it it, it, it was very impactful. And I know a lot of, you're a huge hip-hop fan. You're a bit younger than me. Not much, because I'm not making myself look like an old man out here. <laughs> but you didn't feel the impact of when no. hip-hop lost Pac, mm -mm. when hip-hop lost Biggie. But we just lost Nipsey. And you, 
I mean, it was, to me as a hip-hop fan, it was as close as you're going to get mm-hmm. to what it felt like to lose Pac, to lose Big, and you were in L.A. Yes. Like, you were literally there in that energy when this oh, happened. What was that like? I'll, I'll never forget it. And I, before, before I even explain it, I would love to just hear where you were when Biggie and Pac died, just so I can just so I can begin to get a picture of that, because I've watched so many documentaries, and like you said, I, I just I don't remember that. And right. so no matter how many documentaries, interviews, recaps, anything like that that I watch, it's never going to put me back into that moment. And so where were you at? I'm just curious to know. So I was I was in New York, and what sucked about it, like I think for most New Yorkers I can speak for, um, was that it was the beef. The fact that Pac and Big were beefing. That's mm-hmm. what made it Gosh, so bad. I couldn't you know imagine. what I mean? Because these were two guys where, if you know their story, they they weren't enemies, man. They they mm-hmm. they didn't have no real life beef with each other. It it was it was that for whatever reason, the way that uh, it was designed was that Pac became the king of the West, Biggie became the king of the East, and for whatever reason, now they had to be enemies in order Gosh. to sell records and to, and to do all of these things that the industry requires you to do. When in reality. They would, uh, Big was just sleeping on Pac's couch and they were just kicking it as friends. And then when, when Pac died, it was like, okay, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't supposed to, this is so much bigger than music. Right. Music is music, it's mm-hmm. words and a beat. And they're just going at each other. On, but that is real. Yes. And Pac was, I think, what people really didn't even understand then, as much as we do now, he was so much more than an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like, he, he Pac was a, a revolutionist. Like, he, he was yeah. about truly changing the culture, talking yep. to people. When you and go I think back, that's what we're seeing from Nipsey Hustle. That's right now. what Nipsey was doing. That is rare. In hip-hop, bro. Totally. That is rare. You can get thousands of rappers. It is very rare that you get a rapper who truly understands what he has. The what platform they hold. The platform that you hold. Right. I've always said that your gift is what God gives you, and what you do with your gift is your gift back to God. Yep. And Pac was one of the few people who actually utilized that gift in a way that I think God would have been extremely proud. Oh, and for to sure. lose him, it was more than losing a rapper. We lost yeah. a voice. We lost a politician for the culture. Mm-hmm. We lost so much. And it Gosh. hurt a lot. And it it was as if, I mean, it was like losing a friend, losing mm-hmm. a family member. And with Big, same difference. You want to add something? Uh, would you say like losing Nipsey in this environment today would kind of be like what Kaepernick did for the NFL with his platform? I would say that. And I, and I, and I would say that because... Here's the, th- the thing with Nipsey, right? Like if something happened to Kaepernick, we would all be shook the same way in football, the way that Nipsey has contributed through hip hop to his. That You know what's unfortunate about that is I feel like with Cap, it's, I don't want to see nothing bad happen to Cap. I Me hope either. nothing bad happens to him. And that wasn't what I was implying. No, 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 I know that. But I feel like there is um, some relation there because it's almost like we would have to lose Cap in order for people to realize how much of a hero he really is. That Sadly. sucks. And I hate, I hate that we have come to that, where we Th- just can't realize someone's potential and uh, the impact they're making while they're here. Smell the roses. Let mm-hmm. them smell the roses while they still can. I've yep. always said that. Like, like people will, if, if God forbid something happened to Colin Kaepernick, everybody would be like, oh my God, let's go support him. Let's buy all mm-hmm. of his stuff. Let's, let's do it. And it's like, bro, he's not here anymore. Right. And, and why do we always do that? And with Nip, it wasn't about music. It wasn't about music with Nip. Like, Nip was about his people. He was about his culture. Genuine dude. I met him a couple times, and a lot of times, when I worked at iHeart, I got to meet practically every entertainer, every rapper, every singer. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare you meet one that's like, Damn, he's just as advertised. Like none, none of it is fake. Mm-hmm. Like he, but I, had, oh. I, I had two questions for Nip. I asked him two questions. By the end of that, he was asking me questions. He wanted to know what's going on in my life. Yep. Like he wanted to talk to you me. You could tell he's a naturally curious person. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's not all about him. He's going to want to ask you just as many questions as you ask him because he wants to be educated. Yeah. Because only he the listens. educated can help people. Yep. You know what I mean? If you're not willing to listen and educate yourself, how could you help anybody else? Exactly. The person that's always talking and filling them themselves with the world, you're never learning. Totally. He was. Always all, he just like Pac read a lot of books, you know, was curious as to what was going on with the world, was curious as to like so many mm-hmm. different things. And Pac, I remember Pac used to go to parties and just want to be in like regular parties. Like he like literally when he was at the height of his career, Gosh. Pac would be like, yo, I just want to go to a, like a house party mm-hmm. in L.A. for whatever reason. Yeah, like just, he just wanted to do that. And they would be like, bro, you too, Pac. What the hell what are you talking about? <laughs> like you can't do it's that. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. Right. And he's like, <laughs> nah, I just want to go kick it with my people. Right. He wanted to always be attached to the people. Mm. And that's where God, 
you got to ask yourself, is it worth that? Right. And that's what sucks, mm -hmm. is that the people who make themselves accessible, who are actually allow the fans to come up, touch them, talk to them. It's alleged that the killer who killed Nipsey literally uh, right before was asking Nip to listen to his music. Mm -hmm. And Nip told him straight up, I'm willing to help you with your music, but we got to figure this snitch thing out. Mm -hmm. Because I can't put you out here if... You, you really lack integrity. are a snitch and you lack integrity. I can't right. stand behind that. Yeah. That's all he said. And that was enough for this dude's ego to be hurt and come back and shoot him. Right. And it makes you feel like all of these rappers that want to come back mm -hmm. to their hood and help their hood, help their neighborhood, like, help where yeah. they come from, can't do it. You can't do it because th are they ever going to be satisfied? Right. You know what I mean? So that's, I think what what the takeaway is from here, why I think people are always saying, well, why, why do you think the Nipsey thing hurts so much? I think it's because it, it, it forces people to question the universe. Mm -hmm. That's what I think it really does, is you think that, you, you're taught that what you put into the universe is what you'll get back, right? So if you put positive energy into the universe, if you always stay positive, do the right things, be genuine, be transparent, help when you can, that the universe is going to give you good things back. Mm -hmm. But when you see a person like Nipsey who did that, and you see his life taken like that, it forces you to question everything that you yep. believed, and that's why it hurts so much. Right. But I just hope that we don't allow this moment to lead us uh, with fear moving forward. Like, we, we've got to always be willing to go back to our neighborhoods to to give back. You know what I mean? And I think the—and I don't, I don't want to skip over the question you asked me about recapping, you know, what it was like to be in L.A. because the energy in L.A. was just—if uh, you've—you know, I know you said you haven't been to L.A. before. Mm -hmm. uh, Amy, have you been to L.A. before? I have. Okay, so you know it's crazy. It's chaotic. There's a lot happening all the time. It just seemed like everything on that day— was literally in slow-mo. It was the weirdest thing that I ever heard. You can drive in L.A., you drive five feet, you hear 15 car alarms going off, people are honking at you from every different direction. None of that. And I think even more, I was at a comedy show that night, and it seemed like everybody in the room, all they wanted to do in that moment was just laugh. Because there was yeah. nothing else that could bring them joy. Nothing else could bring, the, bring them laughter. And so it was like, yo, let's just go to this comedy show. And what I appreciated so much, the Laugh Factory, they acknowledged it. They paid tribute. They paid respect. They mentioned it at the top of the night. But they said, hey, we're not going to let this uh, you know, be the end of just our joy. We're not going to let, let this, this dude that just clearly was a hater, clearly he lacked integrity, clearly he lacked character, steal uh, what we've came to do on this earth. And uh, I, I could say a lot about it, but for the sake of time and you know, just the topic we're on right now, I'll say this. Um, I think what it showed me was oftentimes we think when we look at a platform, we think, okay, I'm going to get the platform, then I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do something amazing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for everybody all across the country. When in reality, changing the world simply starts by changing our world, changing Thanks. our neighborhood, changing the people closest to us in our circles of influence. And you clearly saw that from Nipsey. He didn't go out and do this thing across all the states, across the country. He literally did it right there in his neighborhood and helped his people and look at the legacy he's going to leave behind and the only people who can change the world someone told me this a while ago are the people who believe that they are crazy enough to do it mm -hmm. and he and was yes. one of those people yep. you know what i mean that is a fact he was one of those people even in his last day he wasn't even supposed to be at the store that day yeah that's the reason he didn't have a security guard with him is because he was like yo he was at home chilling he gave a security guard the rest of the day off he got a call from a friend who was like yo i just got home from prison and nip said i'm gonna go get you some clothes that's the only reason he went to the store we were talking about this, too. It was like, you know, he shot, went away, and came back. And so, to me, that communicates he shot first thinking that people there were going to have guns exactly themselves, but they didn't. And so, it was in that moment he says, well, let me just go back. Well, I, it was that. I think it was a couple things. I, I mean, obviously, it was personal. This, oh. this was clearly personal. I mean, you shoot somebody in the head and then kick them in the head Gosh. after you shot them in the head. It really doesn't get any more personal than that. And I think that's what, I mean, you, to walk up on a guy that's with five guys, and it's not like Nip was, wasn't was in a gang before. Like, he's he's well protected. It's mm -hmm. not like he's not accustomed to the street life. So you know that he's on guard. You know that everybody around him is. That's the way you live. Mm -hmm. Once you live that way, you always live that way. So he had to think to himself, going into this situation, it might be a suicide mission. Right. I would think to myself you you running up on a dude like that somebody gonna shoot you back bro mm -hmm. you're not gonna get everybody and i think in his mind he was willing to die for it he mm -hmm. obviously and so when he shot he was he was running then he said wait a minute nobody has a gun that's when he came back and that's when you can see in the video which i hate that they posted it it's extremely disturbing and i hate that i watched it but you can see nip kind of get up and try to say something Gosh. and it's a you know it's, it's alleged that he said bro you got me you know 
I'm good. All right, you won. Yeah. And then that's when he realized, I wish Nip would have just laid dead and pretended to be dead. You know what I mean? Right. I, I wish he would have, but he didn't. And then that's when the guy kind of fired again. And then he saw, once everybody was scattered, nobody really has a gun. He's completely unprotected. And then that's when he decided that he wanted to make sure he didn't make it. And he didn't. But you know what? I like to think that Nip, uh, he died at 33. So did Jesus. That's mm-hmm. that's you know, wow. and I I think that's powerful, and yeah. that's where I kind of want to remember it is that look at the impact that Jesus had on this mm-hmm. world, dying at thirty three. I, I you can look at it as a coincidence. I don't. I choose right. not to. It, you know, I find a little bit of comfort in in realizing that that similarity is powerful. Totally powerful because you cannot name another rapper that did more for his community and for the people than Nipsey Hussle. I mean, they they re they renamed uh, Crenshaw. Evan Slauson, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they named it Nipsey Hustle Boulevard, I believe. Or yep. And, yep. is it Nipsey Hustle Boulevard? Or square or something or like square, that. Nipsey Hustle Square. Yeah. Look how quick they did that. I know. Look at the turnaround. There the was city no councilman hesitation. got to work, didn't he? No hesitation. That man sold the staples center out in 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. And yes. what's up with the tickets got, bro? Stop. What's up? Why are you trying to sell tickets exactly. to at Nipsey Hustle? Exactly. Floor? What's wrong with people, man? I, I have no idea. Those but, tickets better be going to a charity. Better be. Right. But you know what? Again. I don't want to leave this conversation on a negative end. I'd rather leave oh, on a positive not. end. It ain't, it ain't, that man sold out the Staples Center. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you talk about the impact that he had on the coach and on the people. That's not going anywhere. Nope. Prayers to him. Prayers to his family. Prayers to Lauren London, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't only imagine what she's going through. And his but children. we lost a real one. Mm-hmm. We lost a real one. Yep. But the marathon continues. Yep. The it, marathon it, continues. It does. And I think we've got to, we've got to, one, not let this steal our joy. Two, not let this uh, lead us uh, to be people who are fearful, waking up every day thinking it can happen to us. We still got to move forward with the mission while we're on, while we're on this earth. And then three, I saw, uh, I think it was Charlemagne, I think he posted, he said, uh, the reality is there's a Nipsey hustle in our neighborhood. There's somebody that we could be supporting, somebody that we could be encouraging right here in our own backyard. Um, and I think that we've got to support them and we've got to encourage them. We've got to have their back and we've got to champion them on. Um, because like you said, with the whole Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick thing, it's like, yo, like we don't have to wait for someone to die yep. before we begin to see their impact and recognize their potential. Support we can do them that while they're here. While man. They're here. Yep. Give them the roses why they can still smell them that's important yeah tell everybody you love you love them tell everybody yep. you appreciate you appreciate them you, you don't need a reason to do it just text them right now yep. that's what i do everyone's if i if i think of you i text you i love you right for what just because i love you that's exactly it. let's highlight the people who are giving back to their community who are opening stores and employing people giving people jobs giving going to go get clothes for my friend that just got out of prison like that's the kind of things we need to be highlighting and celebrating and you know bringing to people's attention and i see the irony in everything i I really do. I'm yeah. that kind of a person. Snapshots of moments are important. I think that this is one of the biggest moments that a lot of us in our lifetime will ever deal with. And it's it's ironic to me that we lose Nipsey. And who's the guy that comes and reminds us of how important this moment it is? A guy named Kodak Black. Take a picture of the moment. <laughs> Kodak. See yep. what I'm saying? Yep. It's these th- these things ain't like just just happenstance to me, man. No. I know my mind crazy, <laughs> but this is the way I, I never view things. Of it, but that this is, is how I fantastic. view things. Kodak. Yes. Yeah. Take a picture. And then don't do nothing else with your no. life. Don't make no more music. I don't want to hear from you, bro. No. Like, he's canceled. Yeah. You can't. Any music wasn't even that good to start no, with. No, it wasn't. And, and he's done so many questionable things leading up to this moment. Yes. And I think the reason why we are giving him this energy now is because we see what happens when someone who really does hold a platform and do good with it, what happens when they pass. Errors always change and evolve and disappear. And I just can't wait for this troll error to be mm-hmm. done. You know, I, 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 I'm an optimist at, at the heart of Blake, but I do believe we are on the downhill from it from from the troll era yes. i would like to think so yes. i think takashi going to prison was the beginning of mm-hmm. it well of you seeing okay you can troll and yeah it'll get you somewhere right. but it'll also get you somewhere else yep and is it worth it at the end of the day it's like these guys takashi 69 kodak black they have communities they come from somewhere they could be using their platform to give back to their community the same way nipsey hustle did they could right. be and what would happen if they were so it's not like they they just have a different set of cards they've been dealt. No, you literally can go back and do something in your community. You can make your upbringing better because of the platform that you hold now. What side are you on when it comes to should rappers go back to the hood? Should Well, not only rappers, just celebrities, period. It, actors, actresses, whomever. Some of us come from a sketchy neighborhood. A lot of us do. In rap culture, that's always a big thing. You don't yeah. come back to the hood. You don't come back to where you came from. You forgot where your people. But should you go back? Look what happens when you go back. 
I think you I think you've got to go back but you've got to be protected you've got to be cautious and you've got to have a strategy I think I think I think we're in a day and age where like you said we're too accessible you, you can't just show up I right. think I think at that point you have chosen this newfound uh, this fame and this platform and to be able to do what you could absolutely do with it you've got to be protected so when I go back to East New York and we do these shows you got me uh, I, I you stuttering. <laughs> what? I got you. <laughs> see, but see, I would disagree That's not with what you. I signed up for. I would disagree with you. Um, you got? Talk to me. I think it's better because of the reasons you're stating to show up, but show up protected. Because mm-hmm. if you say in advance you're going to be there, people know. Mm. So to show up there right. is almost amping. Amb- I yes, but, I, I agree. But with that. the unfortunate thing is, if you look at the history of rappers, right? You take Nipsey Hussle out of it, take his situation out of it. There are a lot of rappers who have like a lot that have died because they were in their neighborhoods. That's where a lot of these rappers get hurt at, and some of them are protected. Really? They, they, yeah, and some of them, like some of them, may not die, but they get shot. Yeah. You know, Fab comes to mind. Cameron, this goes on. A lot of these guys have been shot in their own hoods. They're not getting shot places where they're not from. They always getting shot and robbed where they are from. So. It's like, is is keeping it real really the thing that you should do anymore? Mm-hmm. Maybe partner with somebody who is trying these efforts that we wish these people that had platforms are doing. And then you know someone who's in the community, familiar with your surroundings. Because there is there is a Nipsey Hustle in every neighborhood. They just don't have the platform that Nipsey Hustle does. And right. there's not awareness created around these like Kaepernick we can go back to him he promised he was going to give a million dollars to his community and he did to to 10 different neighborhoods Mm -hmm. at a hundred thousand dollars as an installment for 10 times in over a year and nobody's talking about that they're talking he was on a knee he put a million dollars in one year into 10 neighborhoods Hmm. How much money did all of the people that were complaining about Kaepernick put into a neighborhood? Exactly. As much as I hate to say this, it is what it is. It's one of those things where, unfortunately, we are not affected until we're impacted. And mm-hmm. I think that the impact of Nipsey will get people to start to pay a little bit more attention yep. to the things that need to be paid attention okay. to. And it's totally. unfortunate that he had to be the sacrifice for it. Right. But again, when you think of sacrifice, when you think of death, when you think of impact, you think of Jesus, when you think of 33, you think of Nipsey. And I think for the rest of our lives, we have that. Yep. And look at Pac. I mean, look at what Pac did. It's, it, we, we had a generation now where some of these kids don't know who Pac was. They never heard his music. They weren't mm-hmm. there when he was there, but they know who Pac is. They yep. know the impact. They yep. know who he was. And Nipsey now becomes that guy. One hundred percent, he is a legend. Yeah, so it makes me ask the question: Did he did he fulfill his purpose on this earth? Yes, and I would say he did. Yes, one hundred percent. Yep, one hundred. If, if that's the goal of our life to fulfill our purpose on this earth to make it a little bit more of a better place, it's no and, age on it. Yeah, as sad as it is to no. lose somebody in their twenty. I mean, what was Pac? Twenty four. 25, I believe. Like, 25. 25. Gosh. He was 25 years old, bro. I know. I didn't I, I didn't do enough at 25 to go. Right. But Pac did. Yeah. You know what I mean? So these, it's not an Biggie age. Biggie was thing. 24. Biggie was 24. People forget Gosh. this. Yep. They were so young. You can impact the world in 20 years. Right. In 25 years, a lot more than someone else will in 90 years. Yep. And that's why, as sad as it is, it's a blessing to ever have had these men here. Totally. To allow us to start this conversation. And I think the best part and the most simple part that we've got to realize is it starts with us. We don't have to have a million followers on Instagram. We don't have to be a quote unquote influencer or hold this platform that we seem ideal. No, it just starts with us. Right now, you can think of people that you could be uh, investing in or places you could be giving back to, no matter who you are or where you're at. That's facts. And it literally starts with us. People will never forget uh, what you do for them. You know, at the end of the day, I'll forget what you said. I'll forget the moment that happened, but I'll never forget how you made me feel. Who said that? In that moment. I don't know. Oh, you, yeah, just, okay. So I you just, just out here using quotes. <laughs> don't know who quotes you're using. Listen, That's what I, you're doing. You got to give credit where credit's due. Unknown. No, it ain't unknown. It's very well known <laughs> who, said, who said that. Maya Angelou said that. That's one of my favorite quotes. I felt like it was her. Don't bring Maya Angelou quotes in here and not (laughs) know that they Maya Angelou quotes. Listen, you're exactly right. You're allowed to tag me for this one. Nope, she's, yeah, no. Listen, man, you got questions? I do. Yeah, I got I got I got five questions now. You know, you, you put me on the spot, and I, I, I wanted to put a little bit more effort into into my question asking, uh, just because you know I think you know the cool thing about podcasts is we get a chance to hear more from you and know more about you. So this could be a segment moving forward. Yes, uh, I don't know what do we call. We're going to come up with a cool name for it. Give me a moment to think about it, but I think we can come up with something cool. You said moment. There's your moment. There, there it is. That was cute. Oh, dang Did it. you plan that? Uh, sure. Look at phony Romo over there quarterbacking. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, man, thank, I say things differently when I have a beard, people. It's a new season. <laughs> it's a new season. How many questions you got? I got five. You got five questions. Got five. All right, let's do it. What All right, got? cool. So uh, we'll start We'll start with this one. Uh, a lot of people would look at you and hear what you have to say every morning and think that you're a very wise person. Me sitting very close to you, I know that you are a very wise person. So I'm curious to know, uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Okay. That's a box. Uh, out the gate? You Not couldn't, listen. like, warm me up? Like, what's your favorite this, color? That is a, that, that is <laughs> a warm up, okay? <laughs> all right. We're going uh, down that route, baby. First of all, thank you for the compliment. Um, I remember when I was working in the mailroom at uh, iHeart, and I was uh, working with The Breakfast Club, Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and Angela Yee, and this was when I very first got into the mailroom, and I had these aspirations of being a comedian. I never thought that radio was going to be the route to really help me fulfill my dreams. It was ironic that I got to speak to Envy, who is one of pretty much the most most popular DJs in the world. Mm -hmm. And I asked them, I said, if there was one thing that you could tell me, like for advice, as far as being in the position I am and trying to get to the position I want to be, what would it be? And he told me it's it's two things and it's only two things. It's be yourself and it's be fearless, period. That was it. And once I started to truly be my most authentic self and Mm -hmm. I stopped being afraid of just practically anything, that's when things started to happen for me. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably say that. That's good. Uh, let's let's go a little bit more uh, about you personally. What is one thing you wish most people knew about you that you don't feel like you give off oftentimes? Or maybe there's a misconception that people have of you. Uh... Dude, these are great questions, He's man. At you. Yo, I was Damn. in class when you texted me. I'm like, yo, well, pay attention me, in professor. class. Learn something. Why are you writing down these amazing ass questions? I promise you. I didn't Ames, think they were good at all. I thought he was gonna be like, what's your favorite movie? No. What, what's like okay, this is where we at? Respect. Come on, man. We and Pino kicked you. in, boy. Okay. I was about to uh, say that beard is serious. Yeah. Come on, man. Blake is a beast. <laughs> um, wow, what is something? I think people take the fact that um, I'm not always the loudest person in the room as I'm not the most confident person in the room. It's the complete Mm. opposite. So when people see that I'm not always so quick to try to want to be the talker, it's not because I'm uh, shy. It's not because um, I lack self-confidence or any of that stuff that people attach to that. It's simply because I just I've been through so much and I've learned in my life that you learn a hell of a lot more from listening than you do from talking. And I think that's important as far as growth and educating yourself and helping other people. Yes. And you're observing everything. And you don't forget anything. I, I don't. Good night. I always lie and say I have a bad memory, though. Because I want people to think that of me. Right. Because I don't want to be held accountable. Listen, for I've things. caught on to your strategy, so don't even bother saying that anymore. Facts. Uh, okay, so we're coming up on your one year, almost one year anniversary in yes, the city sir. of Atlanta. Yeah. For those who don't know, Mo moved across the country uh, from New York to Atlanta uh, to be to work in radio. I don't know that that's across the country, uh, but far. I do. I appreciate you, like, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <So laughs> I'm the north to the south. <laughs> all right, all right. All the way across all the country. All across from, all boats the way from to New York. buses to Ubers and. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Uh, so you're coming up on your one year. Right. Uh, what has been the most challenging obstacle you have had to overcome when you up uh, uproot your entire life to move to a completely different city? Damn, I got to pick one. Uh, you can go. You can give There's us a few. So many. Um, the hardest thing. Um, when you uproot and move to a new city to start a new job. I mean, you got to remember, everything was new for me. It's not like I'm moving to a new city to do a job that I'm comfortable doing. I'm yep. moving to a new city. It's a new job. It's new people. It's new everything. You everything have no is family new. here, nothing. That We're was the hardest family, part. Right? The, the support was hard in the beginning. It was yeah. extremely hard. You, you know, you go home, it's just you. You know, you can talk on the phone Man. as much as you want to, but it's really just you at yep. the end of the day. No one could really help me in my position because no one in my support circle had ever been in my position. No right. one in my family or my friends have ever been here, have ever done this. Um, and I don't think people truly understood when I first got here. I mean, you got to really take yourself. How many people, I, I, I put it to you like this. How many people do you know in your life or that you've ever heard of that have ever went from working in a mailroom to being on a number one morning show? How many people you know have done that? Zero. Zero. No one's ever done that. Nope. So there was no blueprint for this. There, nope. there, there was nothing that I could use to help me in this situation. I genuinely just had to go through it. Right. And you come to work every day. Everyone has a different personality. It's so many different personalities you have to deal with. It's, um, everybody is not their best self every day. We, we're all human. We all go right. through things. And you got to, it doesn't matter what you're going through in your own life. And then you got to deal on top of all of that with the, not only the pressures of performing and, uh, and being great, you got to deal with being a public figure. 
for the first time in your life. Mm-hmm. I'd never dealt with so much scrutiny. When I first got here, I had literally like thousands of people telling me how they felt about me. Some of it was positive. Most of it was positive. But y'all know, like I know, as a human, you see the negative more than you see the mm-hmm. positive. You got to deal with people who think negatively of you. And it's like, I remember being on a job, I was on a job three days. And they was like, oh, I don't like Mo. He don't talk enough. Bro, I've, been, like, I, I've, bro, been, I've been doing this for three days. I'm just trying to figure out how to cut my mic on like, in general. <laughs> bro, I know nothing about radio. Right. I don't know anybody in the studio. I can't relate to anybody here. No. Not only am I just starting radio, I'm black. And, it, and I'm I'm going into a predominantly white show. Our content is different. Our sense of humor is different. Our culture is different. Mm-hmm. Our history is different. Everything is different. I'm trying to learn right. them. They're trying to learn me. I'm trying to find my groove. So to, to pinpoint one thing, it's almost impossible. Right. It was everything, yeah. to be honest with you. For me, moving here, it, it was a culture shock in every right. aspect that you can imagine. Um, but the, the amount of growth that I have experienced I in one year is probably more than I may have experienced in my entire life right. prior to it. So it's good and bad to it. And I just, if nothing else, man, as hard as it has been, um, I, I would just want I would just want to be, somebody told me one day, they were like, you genuinely are like a walking example of somebody who is fearless and chases their dreams and believes in themselves and just won't let nothing stop them. And if somebody can look at my path and take that away and utilize that in their own life, I feel like I've done what I was supposed to do. Right. And it's so cool to hear the advice that Envy gave you become real advice that you've actually taken. And now people are looking to you for that same advice, and you didn't even have to utter a word. Not they a word. just see it by your behaviors and what you do. Uh, this isn't one of the questions that I have, but I think it's important to uh, be reflective. Did you think uh, when you moved here almost a year ago uh, that you would be where you are now and have the people that support you the way they support you now and see how everything has just truly fit into place? No. No, honestly, I didn't think I was going to make it be, to keep it a buck. Wow. A uh, few months in, it got so difficult for me. I mean, just dealing with the pressure of being in this position and with everything that comes along with it. Because people always see the glitz and the glamour, of course. They, always. They, they think it's a bed full of roses. Everything is always perfect. Everything is great. You got a platform. You're doing well. You make good money. Right. What's the problem? Exactly. Man, it's a lot of responsibility. You get to wake up and talk on the radio. You live yeah. the best life yeah, you possible. You got the best job in the world. What right. could you possibly be missing? Exactly. But, but the pressure and all of the things that come along with it, man, it uh, it. it takes a toll on you if you're not used to it in the beginning it was just so much i just felt like i couldn't do right you know it's 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 hard enough to grow and to learn Mm -hmm. in any position it's extremely hard to do it in public with all eyes on you where you have to truly be vulnerable we're watching you go through it in real time like that's Mm -hmm. why when 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 fans say mo we've grown with you like we've seen your your i love that because right. it's honest. It's like, yo, we were rooting for you the whole time, and look at you now. And they, they don't have to know about nope. the, the three months in. I, it was a point I called my grandmother. I, I was in tears, bro. I said, Grandma, I can't do this. I'm done. This is not for me. I can't do it. And it's too say? much. And she told me, you worked for this your whole life. Right. You were born for this. This is what you were put here to do. You didn't yep. ask to be here. God put you here. Yep. There's a reason. Yep. You just have to You get have no it. choice. If you got to call me every single day when you get off air and cry and tell me how much you hate it, I will be here to listen to it. But you're going to get your ass up the next morning and go, and back, go back to work. Gosh. And that's exactly what I did. And a year later, here we are. Here we are. Yep. Gosh, what a year it's been, man. We got to celebrate. We got to come up with something to do. Facts, but you ain't drinking Pinot okay. at the celebration. Yeah. I'm that right now. <laughs> when I'm that Henny out, baby. You, this is not a moment for you to okay, attack I'm sorry. I'm sorry. my drink of choice. Moving my on uh, to the next question. Actually, I'm going to let that previous question be a question. It's only got one more question left okay. because you gave such a great answer for it. Uh, let's reflect. What is your favorite thing about Atlanta? Oh. I know. Mm. Favorite. Favorite thing about Atlanta? Um, I want to ask you more Atlanta-specific questions, but I feel like we'll do that at a later date. Uh, okay, if I had to pick one. Wow. Um, I would say, yeah, Ames. Amy. <laughs> Amy's my favorite thing about Atlanta. Next Come on. question. Okay. <laughs> First thing you told me, hey, this podcast is not politically correct. No. <laughs> I'm lying for her ego. That's what you're saying? <laughs> she pointed. Nah, in, in I was all, just doing the Blake Shelton. In, in all, Amy's dope. <laughs> not, Amy really has been by your side not, the entire uh, way. I think that's important hundred, to note. A hundred. For uh, real. Uh, literally since day one. You yeah. think of day one? Yeah, Amy's right. been there from day one. One. And I think it's just rare that people find that or even have that when they move it to a completely rare. different city. So, but like I said, shout out happens. to Amy. Everything happens for a reason, man. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Yep. He puts people in your life and the seasons and the times that you that need them. 
And and you always know when, like, okay, God put this person in my life. Yep. Amy is 100% one of those people. But if overall in Atlanta, being a New Yorker, I would say my favorite thing is the energy. Yeah. I love the energy. Really? Yeah, because— Is it different from New York? Now, talk to me about this. Well, when I say energy, I'm, New York is an energy that you're just not going to find anywhere else. No. But the energy in Atlanta, like, I've never felt this kind of support. And love, like in New York, okay. you, you, you don't get that. I got okay. that's just not yep. a thing in New York. You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody is constantly just focused on what they got to do. Get out my way. You're not talking. You're not interacting. Oh. And in Atlanta, it's love. I mean, right. I, when I get on an airplane and I see somebody walk 20, 20 rows just to come and say, "I love you. Oh, I gosh. love you. You do so much for me, my family. My daughter loves you. My daughter got an A on 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 a test that had to do with astrology, and she came home gosh. and said, "Mom, I did this for Mo." I mean, and I could I could tell a thousands of those stories. Right. And so I will when when people stop me and and want to sit there and just tell me of like how I've impacted their right. life, bro, it, it's no better feeling. You can't it, put it's any money no better on feeling. It. Atlanta has embraced me in a way that I I I couldn't Gosh. possibly imagine. I, I never saw this for myself. Yeah, and um, I can't even put words to it. Right, it, it, as it's it's been phenomenal. And to think. Three months in, if you would have packed up and went home, you wouldn't have any of those stories to share or to tell. And so I think this is a teaching moment for anybody that feels this sense of urgency to go and chase after their dreams. This is your call. This is your answer to go and do just that because there's stories waiting to be told of how you've impacted somebody's life the same way it's happened to you, my friend. So job well done. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And I think that is the perfect segue into um, what grandma said, which is basically my grandmother tells me things that I take with me and I have always taken with me from being a boy. My grandmother will never get on this platform and say it herself. That is not her style, but she has always been behind me, sending me texts, sending me quotes, sending me anything that I have needed. And I think every show I want to end in something that my grandmother told me, and it, it falls right yeah. in line with what we just finished talking about. And she sent me a quote, take these words and use it to get through your day and to get through your life because you are special, whoever you are. Yep. Here is the quote. You were born with potential. You were born with goodness and trust. You were born with ideals and dreams. You were born with greatness. You were born with wings. You are not meant for crawling, so don't. You have wings. Learn to use them and fly. Thanks, Grandma. Wherever you are, whatever you do, be the greatest person you can be, and that is enough. You are enough. Yep.